Donald Whitney said, This much we do know, Jesus prayed. Luke 5.16 tells us, But Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. If Jesus needed to pray, how much more do we need to pray? Prayer is expected because we need it. We will not be like Jesus without it. You're listening to the Leadership Lessons Podcast, hosted by Pastor Daniel Williams, a podcast to encourage and equip church leaders. Brought to you by eeleaders.com. Well, hey, everyone, I pray that you are growing in your leadership this year, and this is a blessing to come back in a community to learn leadership principles from the book of Nehemiah together. We are lingering in this first part of chapter one and gleaning leadership lessons from Nehemiah, not only the book, but the person. It's an autobiography of his experience of how God used him in his everyday situation. And don't forget, God wants to use you in your context, in your everyday situation. Today, we're going to cover verses uh, four through 11 of chapter one, um, and we'll see Nehemiah pray. And I want to talk to you about how prayer should be our first priority. As leaders, prayer needs to be our first priority when it comes to doing things of God's spiritual nature and just walking with God and leading others. Chuck Swindoll said Nehemiah was quick to call for help. His favorite position when faced with problems was the kneeling position. Now throughout this book, we're going to focus on Nehemiah as a man of prayer and learn these principles about prayer because it's an important part of his leadership. We really start to see Nehemiah's leadership qualities uh, flourish in this first chapter and really be revealed because we see him him praying over and over and over again. The context of where we're at in Nehemiah is verse 2 tells us there was a concern. Uh, He was concerned and asked a question about Jerusalem. Uh, It showed that he cared. The walls were broken. They were torn down. The people were in in need. And so this caused him to weep and to pray. Uh, He had this great burden for people and their distress because the wall was broken. And we see the great example of what to do with our burdens as a leader through him. Prayer to pray, to lift it up to God. Philippians 4, 6 through 7 says, Do not be anxious about anything, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be known, made known to God. And if you do this, the peace of God, the text says, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. This is what Nehemiah was doing. He was lifting up his anxiety, his stress, his burden to the Lord and was receiving peace and purpose in what he would do about the situation. Now, oftentimes this is what happens to leaders. We get burdens. We get stress. We are actually put in positions uh, where we see things that bother us. Uh, Many of us are bothered by different things, uh, social justice issues. And so we march student home life, uh, how they spend their time, people's souls, passion for evangelism. There are so many burdens and problems in this broken and painful world at this time that we can be pulled all different ways. And our concerns, our cares, they should cause us to act. God wants our faith to have works. Uh, This is why as leaders, um, God oftentimes gives us vision because it's a it's a it's a brighter future. The ability to see the future, uh, to go against the status quo, we we actually see problems to fix problems. And many times, this is how God calls us and moves us into a situation. We see something and we respond. If you're a church leader, if you're one that is used by God in this gifting, you you understand that, you know that. You know, I'm reminded of a a friend of mine, a good friend, Jason Sanchez. He started the House of Blessing Ministries, which is an orphanage. 
And he kept on going down to Mexico where his uncle was pastoring and saw a great need. And God put it on his heart and burden. He, When I planted the church here in Delray Beach, um, Redemption Church, about uh, eight or nine years ago, um, he went to Mexico. And we saw two different burdens at the same time, and it caused us to go two different ways. That's what leaders do. God uses burdens, gives us vision. We act and move upon it. We even see this in the life of Jesus. He was a great leader, wouldn't you say? One of the best. He had compassion on people. Mark or Matthew 9, 36, 14, 14, 15, 32. He continually did something about it. And here's why I'm making a big deal out of this point. I want you to see how prayer is doing something about your burden. This is what Nehemiah does as his first response to a burden. He doesn't just act and accomplish a vision, he brings that burden to the Lord to get God's vision and plan and way to fix that burden. Verse 4 tells us the first thing Nehemiah did in response to the problem was he prayed. He says, as soon as I heard these words, I sat down and I wept and I mourned for days and I continued fasting and praying before the God of heaven. Yes, as leaders, we're going to get burdens. We're going to see problems. God wants us to move and act. But our first response should be like Nehemiah is to take that burden to God, our anxieties, our stress, the things we see, and give it to God. The very first thing that Nehemiah does is pray. And we see this as a common theme throughout the book. So we're going to be constantly looking at the subject of prayer when we face obstacles. We face obstacles, excuse me. Uh, this wasn't a last resort or an afterthought for Nehemiah. I want you to see was his first response. Now, Bible commentator Tony Evans and pastor says, you, have always, uh, you can always tell how serious people are about their belief that only God can make a difference by their prayer, by their prayer life. And so we, we need to understand when we're not going to God first, we're actually trusting in our own ability, not God's ability. Sadly, what usually takes place in the life of a leader is they quickly go to try to fix the problem on their own strength. They go to strategy. They go to research. They go to asking questions, going to the past plan, whatever it may be. And so in today's episode, I want to remind you, prayer should be our first response to problems. I love what Pastor Craig Rochelle says. He says, worry is the alarm to pray. If you're worried, if you're anxious, if you have a burden, it should be a, an alarm, a ringtone for you to pray. Our burden should cause us to pray. It is good that leaders are moved to action and used by God to lead. But what I want to remind you is godly leaders start with prayer, continue in prayer, and finish in prayer. Thanksgiving. Prayer is the great action we can do as believers. We invite God into the situation, recognize his power for the moment. Rather than handling the problem with our own strength, we ask God to move. You know, that's just one of the reasons why we love Psalms, because it's full of prayers. And we see the heart of godly people that do great things like David actually pray to the Lord and he answers. In Psalm 82, 8, David said, Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. David continually went to God with his burdens, went to God with his problems, and it sustained him and it will sustain you and me as well. So God can do more in one moment than we can do in a lifetime. You need to understand that when it comes to prayer, when it comes to strategy and vision, that we're to pray always. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 exhorts us to pray always, taking things to God. We must bring our burdens and remember he cares for us and the problems that we face. So don't go in your flesh fixing your own problems. Go to God. Go to prayer. 
in your brokenness, in your weakness, it should cause you to pray, to seek God in prayer and fasting. And this is what Nehemiah did. He took the situation to the Lord. And in verses 5 through 11, we see this great prayer of Nehemiah. He cried out to God. Let me just ask you, I don't know what burdens or problems you're facing, but think about it. When was the last time you fasted and prayed over a situation? Do you need to schedule a time to do this? Maybe this week, maybe after listening to this episode, understanding that you're not going to God in a practical way. You know, I love this quote. It's by A.C. Dixon. He says, when we depend on organizations, we get what organizations can do. When we depend upon education, we get what education can do. When we depend upon man, we get what man can do. But when we depend upon prayer, we get what God can do. God wants to meet us in our burdens, in our leadership, as we serve his church. And the problems that we face, they're real. And he wants to meet us to be God in our life, to allow him to be strong and us to be weak, for him to get the glory. We see that Nehemiah prayed. He relied on God, and this made him a great leader. Chuck Swindoll says, Prayer is absolutely essential in the life of a leader. Is it essential for you? Do you take time and moments and move upon prayer? Because great moves of God start with prayer throughout history. We're talking to church leaders. This is a podcast for church leaders, those that depend and are born again and filled with the Holy Spirit. And so think about Bible examples of all the great moves of God and how they were a response of prayer. You even think about the, the way the church started in Pentecost. They had prayed for 10 days waiting upon God and the Holy Spirit came. There is great reward for waiting upon the Lord and going to him first. In our spiritual battles, in the things that we're doing, it's a spiritual thing. And Paul exhorts us in Ephesians 6.18 that we should be praying at all times in the Spirit with all prayer and supplication. To that end, keep alert with all perseverance, making supplication for the saints. And so Nehemiah prays, you should pray, I should pray. We should be people of prayer and that will actually have a great result in our leadership. It should be our first response. Now, let's look at this prayer that he prays and break it down a little bit. Because I think it could be important and teach us a little bit about prayers. We're making such an emphasis to pray in our leadership. Again, these are just reminders. We know these things, but it's important to be refreshed, to be reminded, to have another person come alongside of us and just to say, hey, take the time to pray. First, we see in verse five, we Nehemiah starts off by looking at the character of God, right? When Jesus taught us, hallowed be thy name. Uh, He teaches us how to pray that we should be looking and realizing who we're talking to. Don't ever forget what a privilege it is to pray. He says, O Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. When we remember who God is, it helps us to pray God-sized prayers. We have to understand and go to God in his authority, in his character. You know, Paul would say now to him who is able to do far more abundantly than all we can ask or think to the power at work within us. To him be the glory in the church. This is one of the reasons why we should be men and women of prayer so that God can get the glory. Paul would say, and in Jesus Christ throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. He shouldn't just be the God of Nehemiah, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. He should be the God of you, of your family, of your church. He is a God forever and he is faithful to all generations. Before we rush into our request, it's good to ponder who we're speaking to so we can pray in the spirit and understand we're coming 
to the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the God of all creation. And Nehemiah comes and he says, oh, God of heaven, great and awesome God, you keep your covenant, your steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commands. He recognized the character of God. The next thing we see Nehemiah do in his prayers, he confesses, he confessed to God in verse six and seven. He says, we, notice he uses the word plural, we have acted very corruptly against you and have not kept the commandments and the statutes and the rules that you commanded your servants. He realized God's word and said, if you disobey, uh, there's a consequence. And truly, he recognized who he was through humility. You know, I think it was Spurgeon said, humility is having the right recognition of self. And in prayer and humility, he realized, listen, we, I, I'm not perfect. The Bible would say no one is righteous, no, not one. But he knew he can go to God in that true humility state because God gives grace to the humble, but it opposes the proud. First John 1 9 would tell us if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. We can confess to God our sins. And there's so much freedom and love when we repent and confess and go to God in prayer. Remember that in prayer, you can't hide from God, you know, and he's quick to forgive us. Prayer helps us walk in humility. We need to be humble servants of the Lord to be used by God as great leaders and bless his bride and his church. And then we're able to receive God's love. Andrew Murray said, if we feel like this life is too high for us and beyond our reach, it must all the more urge us to seek it in him. Speaking of Jesus, we can go to Jesus in prayer. We can ask for help. And so he looks at the character of God. He confesses his sin to God. Thirdly, in verse eight through 10, he claimed claims the promises of God. He claims the promises of God. Remember, he says the word that you commanded your servant Moses. And he explains that word back to God. Remember the word. He makes this request according to God's word. And let me just say, knowing God's word helps me to have confidence because he is true to his word. Jesus said in John 15, seven, if you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. We must know God's word as leaders and claim the promises of God for our life, for our ministry, for our family, for our church, for our community. Man, we need to cling to God's word and allow that to shape our prayer life. David said in Psalm 119.11, I have stored up your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I would really encourage you as a leader to memorize God's word, to hide some of God's word in your heart. Let it guide your prayer life. We need to be walking in the promises of God for victory. And we see Nehemiah start to do this with this burden. He remembers scripture and he claims it. And he says, God, remember your word. You said this, 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 and this, and this. I'm coming to you based on that. God, you're good the character of God. I'm not good. I confess my sin. I, I believe, Lord, what you said is true. He claimed the promises of God. And lastly, in verse 11, we see he commits his ways to God. He commits his ways to God. He says, oh, Lord, let your ear be attentive to the prayer of your servant. Nehemiah calls himself a servant. So now because of all of this, this forgiveness and knowing God's promises and goodness, he's willing to submit to God. Nehemiah gives, says, give me success. I will go. I'll do a work. I know the burden is in Jerusalem, 800 miles away, but I will commit my life to your will. And it reminds me of Jesus and his example at this as well. You know, in Luke chapter 22, verse 42, he said, Father, if you are willing, remove this cup from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. 
We should always pray for God's will to be done as Jesus taught us. The best plan is God's plan. And we're best blessed to walk in his will. And when we pray, we align our hearts up with his will, saying, in Jesus' name, in his character, in his will, Lord, may you answer this. Even if it's something that we may not want or like, God uses prayer to build our faith to mature us. For Proverbs says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. In all your ways, acknowledge him and he will make your, uh, make straight your paths. We're to acknowledge God in all of our ways and submit him to him. And so here's my encouragement for you today as we think about Nehemiah's prayer, how he looked at the character of God, confessed to God, claimed the promises of God, and committed to God in prayer. We should be praying. Understand that as you get burdens, as a leader, which God has given you those burdens, that vision, that calling, he also as you equipped you through the spirit of God to pray with going to the throne room from, with all boldness and mercy. God gives you vision to do something about it. And I'm not saying don't act. I'm saying act through prayer. Start with prayer. Make that be your first response. Practice praying. A couple of quotes for you to end. Chuck Swindoll says, Don't fill margins in your Bible with words and thoughts about ways a leader prays. Do it. It's good to talk about prayer. It's better to do it. David Guzik said about prayer, we should use every kind of prayer we could think of. Group prayer, individual prayer, silent prayer, shouting prayer, walking prayer, kneeling prayer, eloquent prayer, groaning prayer, constant prayer, fervent prayer. Just pray. Hey, my encouragement to you is let's be leaders, godly leaders that serve the church and that pray and make that our first response. conversation with Pastor Daniel and his dad, Pastor Joe Williams, as they share a pastoral perspective on the book of Nehemiah. Well, we see that Nehemiah in his first response was to pray, to seek God, to go to God, to pray about the situation. What are your thoughts on prayer and its importance in your life? Well, I know without prayer, nothing's going to happen. And, uh, you know, many times uh, prayer is the last resort. When everything falls apart, when everything goes bad, then we pray. But prayer should be the first resort. We should go to God first. And God always answers prayer. I believe God answers every prayer. Sometimes it's yes, sometimes it's no, and sometimes it's wait. Sometimes it's just not his time. But I believe he answers every prayer. And the Bible say, if we pray according to he, his will, he hears us. Uh, sometimes we pray for things that just not his will at all. And we pray against his will and don't even know it. But if, if, if the answer is no, let's not get discouraged. There's a reason. If the door is closed, there's a reason. But God answers prayer in his own time and not our own time. So we have to really be a, a person, everyone I've ever read that was really affected for Christ, they had a good prayer life. And that's admitting to God that you can't do it alone. That's admitting to God that we need his help. 
no one can build a church and no one can keep a church no one can keep a church built no one can keep it together no one can hold it together you know people can come and go as they please but we're not called to build it Jesus said he would build a church we are called to feed his flock so make sure that you spend time in prayer because it can change your whole perspective the way you look at life, the way you look at things. Prayer is very powerful, and prayer is welfare. That's why no one hardly wants to pray or come to prayer meetings. I know here in Washington State, a lot of church had prayer meetings here, and they, and they shut them down because no one was coming. They said a prayer meeting is the most least attended service there is. It's a prayer meeting. So we have to continue to Guard against uh, being complacent and not praying because without no prayer, it's no power. You know, the more I pray, you know, too, uh, it's important to me because when I pray, I have more peace. I have more joy in my life when I pray. I can pray away fear. I can pray away worry. I can pray away unbelief. Right now with the pandemic, if I find myself beginning to worry, if I start to pray, the worry leaves. So it's very effective and it's very powerful. So, you know, the Bible said pray without ceasing. So always talk to God, not when things are bad, not when they fall apart. You should talk to God every day and throughout the whole day. So how should prayer affect a leader's life? Why is it not only important for every Christian, but especially for church leaders that are being used by God to minister? If, if the ministry is going to be effective, especially for a leader, you're going to have to pray and ask God's Spirit to be, uh, be guiding you and to give you help. You know, in Acts chapter 6, when the widows was being neglected from the daily administration of food, and the apostles said, you know, it's not, it's not right for us to leave the Word of God and serve tables. We're going to give ourselves continually to the Word of God in prayer. So when a leader gets away from word and God in prayer, when he gets away from the word in prayer, he's not, he's not going to be an effective leader. So you got, you got to guard against that. You got to also guard against your time. There's always things that want to take your time away from what's really important. So as, if you're going to be a good leader, continue to ask God for help and guidance and spend that quality time with him. And he's promised, he's promised to help us. I mean, we all are weak. We don't know. Uh, the Bible said we should trust. So we have to just pray and trust God to do what he wants to do in our churches. Now, how have you seen God answer some of your prayers over the years? And this is where I'm looking for some cool, encouraging stories. The power of prayer. How have you seen God answer some of your prayers that have given you the conviction that prayer is powerful. Yeah, when I first got called to the ministry in 1982, I came to Washington State and I couldn't find a job for six months. Now that was probably the hardest time in my whole ministry. Uh, you know, I, I couldn't find work. I couldn't find work at all. I looked and looked and looked. And uh, after about three or four months, well, about six months before I found a job. And then um, 
one day I was south of Seattle, you know, I found this job. I got, I was, I was lost, really. I pulled down this street. I drove down this street and I got lost and I said, well, I'm going to turn around and go to this place, you know. So I turned around, went to that place and then I went in there and put an application and the person that took my application was a Baptist uh, elder. He was a believer also. And um, two weeks later, the job called me. And I was there for 30 years. I was bivocational for 30 years. So I only been full time in ministry, full time for about six years. Uh, before then, I was bivocational. I did the ministry. I did the ministry, and also I worked uh, on a full time job. So God answered that prayer. And many times in my ministry, my church was so small. Uh, no one had any money, hardly. And, you know, we had just just bought the building and uh, the finances were down and we prayed and God would lay on people's hearts and they would put in, you know, extra money in the agape box. So we never really passed an offering in our church. I'm not against people doing that, but we never have. And God always would bring in enough money to meet our, to meet our needs every single month. And, you know, I've been doing it 40 years, and I've never really passed an orphan plate yet. And I don't even uh, hardly mention money unless it comes up in the text. But it's not that people shouldn't give. They should. They should support the ministry. But it's always enough that comes in every month just to meet our needs. And we just praise God for that. He answered that prayer, our prayers every single month. So it's enough. And we don't have a big church at all. There's a lot of widows there. There's a lot of poor people there. But God knows exactly how much we need. And he brings in enough every month to meet our needs. So God answers prayer. And it, it, it helps us to continue to trust him every single month. You know, and he's always been faithful. So how do you build prayer, not just only in your life, having those stories for yourself, but how do you build a culture of prayer in your church? As a lot of people don't go to prayer meetings and do different things, how did you, how do you build prayer into the people that you're leading as well? Continue to teach on it. Continue to teach on it. Teach on the word. Teach on prayer. Uh, share your illustrations, your your. Uh, experiences how God has answered your prayer to encourage other people. And, and uh, you know, we tell people to pray, but we as leaders, we must be people of prayer too. And just keep saying it. Sometimes when you teach and you have to say things over and over. You just don't say it one time. You have to say it over and over and over until people get it. And, I, you know, I hear people say all the time, well, I got to come to church for prayer. And I tell them, well, you haven't got to come to church you know, God's lying open to you 24-7. You haven't got to wait until Sunday morning to come to church to get prayer. You can, uh, the Bible said we should go to the throne of grace boldly anytime. You know, God's ear is always open to our prayers. So you, you make it a habit and you will see the change. You will see the peace that comes into your heart because God's, God is, is going to work in you before he works through you and he can work through you in prayer I tell you it's, it's really powerful that's why 
Satan don't want you to do it because he knows it's, he knows it works. And talk about that because I think that's one of the reasons why Jesus said the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And oftentimes we forget that prayer is a part of spiritual warfare. Even in the armor of God, it says, and in all things, the gospel of peace, to listen to all the preaching, it's through prayer. And yeah. then Paul says, and by the way, pray for me. Yeah. He would say that in a lot of his letters. Right. So talk a little bit about, about prayer and warfare, spiritual warfare, and how those two uh, just coexist. Well, you know, prayer is, we can pull down the strongholds through prayer. And if Jesus uh, went to a solitary place and he prayed, how much more should we? This is warfare. Prayer is work. It's warfare. But once you do it, you'll feel so much at ease. You'll feel so much peace. And you know what? If it's a time to pray, it's a time now because going forward, it's not going to be an easy road, not even for the church. So unless you are pray, uh, a praying person, uh, you can be very discouraged. So just make it a habit. You don't have to wait, you know, 10 o'clock at night when you're tired. Talk to the Lord. Anytime anything begin to bother you, fear or worry, you begin to pray right away, and you'll find the peace that comes into your heart. And so I know that you pray often and um, take walks and pray and all that different stuff, but just what encouragement would you have for someone that it is hard for to pray? Uh, some people, they really respond to God and worship, or they love teaching the Bible or whatever, and maybe this is a weak point for them, a weak spiritual discipline for them. Uh, how would you encourage them to continue to build that, and what are your last sort of thoughts on cultivating a life of prayer so they can succeed in ministry? Well, it's, you're right. It's got to be a life. Prayer is a life. Yeah, they say that prayer should be as natural to us as breathing. Uh, what I do every morning, you know, I get up early and, you know, I have some coffee and read and pray before the day starts. Because once I get up and start getting busy and stuff, then I tend not to do it. Or I'll wait until 10 o'clock at night when I'm so tired. I just want to just pray and get it over with because I'm tired. I want to go to sleep. But that should be the first thing we do. Try it in the morning time when you're fresh, when your mind is fresh. And every time, every time I teach, I pray before I go out and stand behind the pulpit. I pray that God would uh, anoint me to give the message and help the people to receive the message. Prepare their hearts to receive. And I feel like then it's, it's off of my shoulders. I feel like then I have given it to Christ. I've given it to him, and he's going to do the ministering through me. Uh, I, had a, I had a chance last Sunday, and I've never really done this but a couple of times. Uh, I was going to teach on the love of God. I was praying about all week, what was I going to teach on? And I was going to teach on the love of God, and I, wo I woke up Sunday morning, and around, I was in there taking a shower. Around 8.30, the Holy Spirit changed the whole message. He said, I don't want you to teach on the love of God. Holy Spirit says, I want you to teach on the Word of God. I want you to teach on prayer. I want you to teach on listening to the Spirit. 
You know, it's like, and the main thing I want you to teach on, he says, I want you to teach on how important it is for Christians to fellowship. A lot of Christians not fellowshipping. He says, I want you to teach, drive this home. I want this to be your topic, the importance of fellowship. That's what it was. That was my topic, the importance of fellowship. You know, when I grew up back in Tennessee, uh, people had to talk because we didn't have Internet. We didn't have Facebook and YouTube and Instagram and cell phones and computers. No one had that stuff. So you had to build relationships with people and talk to them. But anymore, uh, it's like people that follow. We don't have relationships anymore. It's like people don't want to interact or talk anymore. And I've never really had it, you know, maybe done that maybe once or twice in my whole ministry while you got a message prepared and God says all of a sudden, nope, don't want you to preach that today. I want you to preach this. I only had an hour to prepare the whole message. But the Bible said, let the word of God dwell in you richly. So as a pastor, you should have enough scripture already inside you in your heart where you can prepare a study quick if you have to because you've got enough word already inside you where you can pull from each scripture. One scripture leads you to another scripture. One scripture leads you to another scripture before you know it. I went out there and I told how important it is and how God does not want us to forsake the assembly of our uh, together with the believers. And uh, man, I said, this is going to take a lot of faith. But I did it and I probably got more views on that message than I've gotten on anyone on Facebook, that one message. Because I would say, you know what, I only got one hour, but I was, stuff was coming to mind so quick, I couldn't holler right fast enough. And I was writing it down, writing it down, and boom, I went with it, and, and people said they really got blessed. So, you know, I pray all the time, but as Jesus prays, not my will, but your will be done. That's what we ought to be praying. Not what we want, it's what he wants. We want his will to be done. So be open to that. Open to his will. If you want to change something, let him. But you just listen to the voice of God. He will lead you. Thank you for joining us for today's Leadership Lessons Podcast. For more content, you can visit eeleaders.com and follow us on social media at eeleaders.